So like Rick was saying, I was, I'm going to share this morning uh, about humility and oneness is uh, kind of what I was going to talk about. As you know, uh, we've merged the two schools, Oneonta Community Christian School and Lighthouse Christian Academy are now one thing, uh, one unit, and is Oneonta Christian Academy. So with that, there has been uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of... Um, Dying to self, I think, is what I'm going to call it, Best, uh, is that as we come together, uh, we have to lay aside of a lot of the things that we used to do uh, here. They have to lay a lot of things aside that they used to do there, and then we have to come together as one unit uh, and do it together now. And uh, this Friday, if you'd like to see uh, the new school, meet all the teachers, things like that, we have a spaghetti fundraising kind of dinner that'll be happening on Friday and we have tickets we, the kids left but I have tickets <laughs> I'm sure others have tickets tickets are eight dollars for adults and five dollars for kids and it helps just to uh, with all the expenses that are involved with putting the two schools together running in the day-to-day uh, things that we have to do so I'm gonna read from Philippians chapter 2 all right so you have ESV because we know that's the real version Okay, Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection any sympathy, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is the theme verse for the year for the new school. So we threw around a few verses. This one stuck out to me because over the summer with the amount of hours and things that were being put in, all the things that had to happen. I mean, I don't know how many have been part of mergers of anything, businesses, things like that. They typically don't go very smooth, right? They don't go very smooth. <laughs> There's usually something uh, that happens and things that happen that are just tough. Uh, but what really has amazed me in this process is that I think it's gone pretty smooth most of the way. The two school boards work together well. Anytime there was an issue that came up, uh, we were able to talk about it and come up with a solution or a change of the way something had to be done. It's only been, I mean, we really decided uh, that the schools were going to merge, I guess it's about six months ago, right? So in six months, and now we're together, and we're doing it. Now, granted, there's bumps, there's things that happen, but but when that verse was brought to my attention, I, I just thought that it was a perfect 
theme for the year because there is a lot of dying to self as we come together and as we do the things that we're doing. Um, I know it's been tough. I've been hearing, I'm the principal, so I get to hear a lot of the complaints and the concerns. <laughs> and it's tough to lay things aside that you've done a certain way for 30 plus years and to come at it at a different angle or a different way of doing things. And it's like a marriage. And they might not roll the toothpaste the way we roll it. <laughs> they might not do those things. And so this first year is going to be exciting, but it's going to be tough at times. And it's about not, you know putting our, our own desires, our own needs aside and thinking about the, the greater good, the things that we want to accomplish. It's kind of counter to what this philosophy of humility and the things that Christ or that Paul was saying that we should do that is not the way the world is doing it and it seems like it's ramping up more and more i mean we are i i'm just amazed the selfishness and the mentality that has overtaken our society and just i mean it, it was always there but nothing like it is I mean, we look at the political um, way things are happening, and it's just it's just all about their agendas and their desires, the way they want things, and they will rip people apart for disagreeing with them. And I don't know. I mean, you can the thing that's interesting in, in our society is you know we can talk about social justice. Uh, things like that, and we can kind of come to agreement on that, but when we talk about humility and laying down our own desires, it's, not lo- it's no longer talked about. It's, and the world is completely odds with us when we talk about humility. Uh, we've gone from humility to, what's the best way to explain it? Expressive individualism. That's a good word, right? good couple of words. Now, if you can look that up in the dictionary, tell me what it means. No. <laughs> we no longer look for our worth in the eyes of God. This is what's going on in our society. We no longer look for our worth through the eyes of God and what he says about us. But we look for the divine within. We've become our own little gods. And our desire is to press our agendas and the things that we want to do. Uh, Like I said, the screaming and the bickering, self-aggrandizement, all the things that our society is, is, it's not like they're almost celebrating it. They are celebrating it. And And it's sad because it's destroying our culture, it's destroying our world because of that. So in in verse 2 and 3, it says, Being of the same mind... Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So based on what it says there, we have a problem. (laughs) It's something that we all want, um, but in the world today, I mean, if you just think about that's that's the way it was designed to be. But in the world, we're seeing the complete opposite. You see shootings, the political bearing and fighting, bombings, war. 
I mean, our self, our hearts are selfish in nature. And that's the selfish ambition that it's talking about. We can't have oneness if we don't think about others first. But then, then you think, Paul's talking to who here? He's talking to the church. <laughs> so, let's do a little self, let's be self-aware, I guess, of the things that are happening in the church. We have the same struggles, don't we? Fighting for position. There's division. There's this need to, if you think about it, let's, let's think about when you go to big conferences and things like that, you always have the big names in Christendom have to be there and talk about how big their ministries are, how big their churches are. They've got 3,000 people on a Sunday or 5,000 people on a Sunday, and they talk about your best life now. Oh, wait, was I not supposed to say that? <laughs> and how wonderful everything will be if you just do it their way, and then you give them your money and all these things. And it's always, it seems we get lost. We have the right intentions at first, but we get lost in this in this need to feel wanted, feel desired, feel important, to feel not forgotten. So even in the church with the splits and the fights and the arguments, we're divided. Our world is full of war and fighting with each other because we think of ourselves first. We're conceited, vain conceit. Our society is a me-centered place. We are always worried about what others think of us. So we hunger for respect, honor, acceptance, assurance that we are important in this world. We want our lives to be something people will remember and never be forgotten. That desire comes from a loss of something. What have we lost? Where did that loss come from? That loss came from the, all the way back to the garden. We were designed to live forever. We, our relationship with God was to be a forever type of relationship. We were never going to be forgotten. We were always going to be accepted. That was the way he designed it to be. And through the fall, it no longer was that way. It ruined it. That foreverness, and now we feel, like the song says, all we are is dust in the wind. And we're afraid of that. We're terrified of it. We don't want to be a people that are forgotten. We don't want to be felt like we're left behind. So we struggle for a place to be remembered, to feel valuable, to feel important. We desire and we fight for people to think of us as valuable or say we are, are good and important. This path of making it on our own breeds fear. And we start to bluff and lie our way through life using people and position to cover that fear. Pride is another issue. We try to make it on our own and become little gods, like I said before. We start to believe we are independent and we can build our own future and it's a desire and a hunger for glory that we want to feel respected. We have some people in authority that love that. <laughs> they want to feel respected. You better respect me, is usually the way it comes across. I have position. You better respect me. But that was not God's design. God never intended it for it to be like this. 
From the beginning, God made us to live forever, to be accepted, to be loved by Him, and to never, ever be forgotten. Because of the fall, we're constantly looking for what we lost. We look for acceptance, assurance. We don't ever want to be forget, forgotten. And we want to be known that we are important. We are desperate for it. So, if we weren't full of this type of sickness, what would it be like? Well, humility. That's what it's talking about in there. It mentions it twice in two different places. Gentle. What does it mean? So, it means gentle, modest, free from pride and arrogance. But... That's not a nature that we usually strive for in the world anymore. I mean, if you even think of it, at the time that Paul was sharing this, this was when the Roman Empire was big. And the Roman Empire, you had Plato and all these people that were teaching their things. And the things I just described, gentleness, modesty, free from pride, arrogance, um, lowly, that was for slaves. That wasn't for those in position and authority. You took position and authority, and you ex- and expected it. <clears throat> so that's not our. That was not the nature then, and it's not our nature that anymore either. Jesus said, "Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. When we come to God, we can say we can't say. I should say, we can't say, look at my accomplishments. Look at my position. Look at what I've done. <laughs> I don't think if we walked uh throne room, he's going he's gonna to say much, except that I don't know who you are. Because if you're coming to me with your accomplishments and your position and all the things that you've done, how wonderful you lived your life, he says, you don't know me. And you don't know what my son did. You have no clue. If you think you're going to walk in to me like that. We come and say, if we come and say, I'm nothing without you. And I have nothing to offer. And we go do that by faith through what Christ Jesus did. That's humility. That's what he's looking for. We need to do a little bit of soul searching and think about some of these things, the things that, um, that drive us, our drivenness. There's nothing wrong with being driven in a good form. You can love something and have it drive you to do better and to be better at it for the enjoyment of it. I mean, uh, oh, who was the fire guy? Eric Little. <laughs> so what did he, when he was asked why he ran, Remember what he said? Why he ran? He said, I believe God made me for a purpose. Now, he believed he was going to go to China. So he said, I believe God made me for a purpose for China. But he says, but he also made me fast. (laughs) And he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. If we do what we do for God's pleasure, that's great. But that's not usually the case of why we strive for things and why we want to be better. We, we, would, we wouldn't care if we won or lost, if it was really God's pleasure. 
We are not driven because of inner joy that we have, but because of the emptiness. That's what really drive, seems to drive us more in the world today, is that we, we're driven because we want to fill that emptiness that we have. We want to be success, successful and to feel important. That kind of drivenness is completely the opposite of humility. Putting people down. Boy, do we see this an awful lot right now in the news and on the talking head shows and all those that are going on. This is not something, this is something that's completely overtaken our society in the last few years. It's just ramped up and ramped up. And it, it's, it amazes me when I, when I see it how bad it's gotten. One of the worst and ugliest ways pride comes through is when we put others down. When we ridicule them and treat others with contempt. And it certainly seems like that's the only way the world functions today. If you don't agree with me, if you don't uh, respond to the thing that I want to happen, they will ridicule you. They will beat you down until there's nothing left. Why do they do that? To put their superiority over you put their superiority over that situation to know that their way is the right way. My, my, my ideas are higher than your ideas. And I'm right and you're wrong. Humility, on the other hand, is treating others less than you or opposed to you. So those that are uh, less than you or opposed to you showing grace and courtesy Showing love, respect. I don't see that. Just watch some of the hearings they're having. Do they treat each other with respect? With kindness, with courtesy, with grace? Not so much. Another thing that I was just talking about too was that they never admitting we're wrong. (laughs) This is another thing that's rampant in our society. And unfortunately, the church is just as guilty. We are never wrong. We can't be taught or corrected. Repentance doesn't come easily. We can't take advice. And we won't change our minds. I know this is... This is that's hard. And we see a lot of the... Uh, I think even within the church, a lot of the people that have fallen is because they couldn't be told that they were doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. I'm sure that it didn't, ha- with, and you see people that fall into illicit relationships or things like that that are very uh, high up, we'll say the food chain within the church. Uh, I cannot believe that there wasn't somewhere along the line that somebody didn't say something. You ought to think about what you're doing. And they said, there's no problem. I've got it. Hardened ears to hear when you are, might not be. I think true humility is probably, I would think part of it would be to listen to somebody when they say, you know what? I have a concern about a thing. And then to go back and think about it for a while and come back. We don't see that so much. False humility When we think of pride, we mostly think of the people who puff themselves up. 
who stand on the rooftops and say how wonderful they are and how important they are. But if we are consistently thinking about what people think of us and try to please people, we're trapped just as much as the arrogant. False humility. Oh, I, I'm so bad at what I do, or, I, or nobody likes me, or um, I'll never be important. And you start wallowing in this and thinking all the time uh, about what the perception somebody has of you. That's pride, whether, you like it, whether it seems like it or not. It's a form of pride, because you're all, it's all about you still. That's what you're thinking about. It's about me and what people's perception is of me. So um, C.S. Lewis did a pretty good job, if you don't mind the older English that he uses, in the screw tape letters. Letter number 14. (laughs) That was, screw tape was, now you got to kind of have to turn your head around because this is coming at it from the devil's perspective and the demon's perspective of how to get you away from the way God would have you live your life. So he tells uh, Screwtape is one of these head demons, and he tells uh, Wormwood, who's his protege, we'll say, that <clears throat> he's talking about humility. He's like, you know, he's like, this guy has been, gr- I, I see your concern that this guy is, has, is following the enemy, which is Christ and, Jesus, and uh, God. And he says, but, <clears throat> he's, and he's being, he's being humble and he's, and he's going to God with, and he's not, and he's starting to think about himself less and think about other people more, those types of things. And he says, well, don't worry. Just when he's, when it's a quiet time, when it's a quiet place, just go to him and say, yeah, you are pretty humble. Go ahead, tell him he's humble. And then all of a sudden it'll dawn on him. You know what? I am humble. And then you already started to win the war. Or, he says, what you can do is the other way you can destroy this person. He says, you can make them feel that they're not important and they aren't humble. So now you can make them beat up themselves. He says, that make them think about it. He says, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. And I'll never get it right. And, and then all of a sudden, he says, once you get them to, to start to think about themselves and what people's perception are of them, then you, then you start to win the battle. And he tells them how to trick the, the person. <clears throat> so that's not what God wants. In the text, he says, Each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, he didn't say to hate yourself. He, said didn't, he didn't say not to have any interests. He said to think about your own interests, but also to think of the interests of others. So there's nothing wrong with our goals and our interests. It's just that when we start to think about our own things more than we do for others. So C.S. Lewis also said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. (laughs) If you're down on yourself and you hate yourself, you can't think of others very well. Or if you think of yourself as an important person, you're not going to think of others. So you think more of yourself, you don't think of others as well. So real humility, the kind that he's looking for, is forgetting yourself. So there was a... I mean, we'll think about it this way. Our, how we realize if our 
humility, <laughs> I guess, is working appropriately or things like that. You wouldn't think, let's look at our, say, I'll just pick it uh, up my finger. Okay. So if I, if, I, if I can bend it, I can move it, and I can grab things and move things, I wouldn't even really think about it much. But if, if it wasn't bending, if I had broken it or something like that, uh, and I couldn't grab things, then I'd start to talk about it. Right? So if, if our humility and the way we're doing things, uh, if we were, or at least ourselves, let's put it that way, if, we're th- if we weren't thinking about ourselves, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't, it wouldn't even dawn on us to think about ourselves. Like our elbow working. It just works. I don't think about it. But if we start to talk about it, talk about ourselves, think about ourselves, that's when we're, it's not quite working the way it's supposed to. Because you wouldn't think about if your elbow's working right or not right. <laughs> if it's just doing what it's supposed to do. The same things uh, with us. We don't think about ourselves if we're working according to God's truth. We wouldn't think about how we look or what people are thinking about us, what our position of power is, what our own interests are. Focused on God, <clears throat> we wouldn't feel insulted, and our feelings wouldn't get hurt. So, now the next thing is, how do we fix this problem? The problem of humility. You know, I can't, I can't stand here and give you the five magical points on how to get rid of humility, or how to make yourself more humble. Because if I do that, then and you go through those points then what's going to happen? I went through those five points. I'm humble now. <laughs> and there's, no, there's no magic, you know, three or four step process to get, to get, hum- to be humble. <laughs> and it's, so it's like, what's really hard about this is like, so how, you know, how in the world do we do that? <laughs> we can try to leave here and think about all the things that we talked about. Uh, in the sermon, our drivenness and how that can be good, but it also can be really bad. How putting other people down is not a good thing, so I'm not going to do that anymore. And um, I'm going to think about, I'm not going to wallow in self-pity when somebody when something doesn't go my way. So we can say, I'm going to do all those those things, <laughs> and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's just that's not fixing the root problem. You know, that's just working on the appearance so that we look humble. And that, and that's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I guess practice makes perfect, right? (laughs) But Paul is saying the only way to work on this is to focus on what? On Christ and Him crucified. We have to know who Jesus is and what He's done for us. The only way to become humble is to realize that our focus should be on Christ and Christ alone. Not wanting to be humble, but it's wanting to be with Him. And to be like Him. So there's three things that um, we can look at with this. He was God, and the three sections in this passage of Scripture, that He was God and He became human, Though he was human, he went to the cross, gave us atonement. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. So here's what he did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, made himself nothing. He became humble. 
He emptied himself. He never gave up being God, though. You know, we can say, well, if we think about it, we'll think, well, he, he gave up being God. No, it doesn't say he gave up being God. <laughs> it said up, he, he said, what did he give up? He gave up his glory. Is what he was willing to give up. He started to serve instead of be served. He emptied himself of his glory. And it's Isaiah 53. Um, it says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. So, it's, you know, we've got different places in the Bible where it talks about the glory of God and how most people can't stand in his presence. None can stand in his presence. Every knee will bow. <laughs> but what he did is he came and he emptied himself of that. He emptied himself of his beauty and the glory, the thing that which, which brought him honor. He was poor, lowly, rejected. He was beaten, scorned, mocked. Therefore, it says after that, therefore God highly exalted him. Well, why did God highly exalt him? Well, he took our punishment. He saved us. He redeemed us and all of humanity. And that was, and what we realize when we read that, that that was his way. For him, the way up was, the way up was down. And it has to be the same way for us. To be rich is to give away. The way to rule is to serve. We become happy not by seeking happiness, but making others happy. The greatest form of glory is to give away your glory for someone else. And that was what he did for us. This passage has uh, two references to humility, our humility and the humility of Christ. We grasp for glory and find emptiness. But Jesus emptied himself of his glory so that we would be full. Definitely a big difference in the way to do things. (laughs) And that's the gospel. He was treated the way we deserved to be treated. So that when we believe in him, we are treated the way he deserves to be treated. You say, what? What in the world does that mean? I mean, I was reading this and I'm just doing it now. How when we start to dig into this passion, it, it brings me to tears. To realize what he did. Thing he didn't have to do. He looks at us and he says, You are more precious than anything. And I will give up my glory so you know your value. He takes great delight in us. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. When you know and believe that, when we focus on what Christ has done for us, and we start to realize the desire, and we start to have the desire that we want to be with him. Pastor John's been talking about this for months and months. To be in his presence is the best place to be. And it gets rid of all this stuff that we're talking about. The pride and the arrogance and all that because we realize that we are nothing without him. And how much we need him. And how much we love to be with him because of what he's done for us. And when we start to live in that place, when we start to realize what he's done for us and how, and all that we are in him, that's when we won't even realize that we've become humble. It'll just be the natural course that, take, that happens. We'll start to think about others more than ourselves. We'll be ready to help people when they need help. We'll be able to, to run a race, and if we lose and the person that's with us wins, we'll be grateful. We'll be happy when we have to lay something down that it's always been a certain way. It won't matter because we want what's best for all. He laid down his life for us that we might be full in him. We'll know. (laughs) Like I said, we won't even realize it, but that the way up is down. We'll see what he did for us and no longer be empty. We won't need the praise of men and we won't think about ourselves anymore. The way up is down. Pray. Lord God, your ways are definitely not our ways. And you do things the way we would never, ever think about doing them. God, we just thank you that you are willing to die for us. That you showed us what humility looks like. That you are willing to come, humble yourself, become a man, give up your glory. That we could be raised to new life with you. And that we would be glorified in you, which is amazing. That we would be lifted high, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that you've done. And you did it for your because of your great love for us. We thank you for that great love. God, help us to be more like you. We know there's no perfect five-point plan to make that happen. But just help us to be aware of who you are. And keep increasing that desire within us to be with you and to be like you. 
We ask you to forgive us when we fall. And don't walk the way you'd want us to walk. Help us to be your hands and your feet. People would see Christ through us. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.